Hello, welcome adventurers to The Travel Log, a podcast in which I, Stephen Hoffer, my pronouns are he, him, and Lily Lavin, she, her, will be diving into the world of Faerun from the Dungeons and Dragons tabletop role-playing game. We'll go area by area, town by town, to provide a background of canonical lore, as well as suggestions on what type of counters you can run in an area, what type of characters you create whose backgrounds are based in an area. This week, we're covering the survivor states of Netheril. Lily, what's the tech level you like in your fantasy? In fantasy, I consume books and media and games and stuff, whatever. Like uh, from Star Wars, mm. which, yeah, you can say is sci-fi, but it's fantasy. They're space samurai wizards <laughs> or well, space samurai sorcerers, actually, in D&D terms. True, um, actually, yeah. Or, you know, Lord of the Rings or uh, even further back with The Last Kingdom, where it's quite early in England. I think it's like the year 900. They don't even have the technology architecturally to build second story or third story buildings yet. So they only have like as high as two floors in their buildings. And they go to the capital city of Mercia and it's like a small village. And they're like going, whoa, at how big this city is. And it's like, yo, this is like a thousand people tops. Mm-hmm. So in media that I consume, I think it's all good. But in the D&D, we play like Renaissance I would say Fair. with the second you get on a boat, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> um, a little bit less than that because Pirates of the Caribbean has. Yeah. I think you want like maybe like early Renaissance, like I'd keep before a lot of the inventions. Well, if we were to, no, not really because like we have some clockwork and in the chaos campaign, there was, you know, like a clockwork robot and stuff or automaton. And like, I mean, IRL clockwork goes back to like ancient Greece. So clockwork just got lost somewhere in the Dark Ages, because, of course, Europe was just like, mm. everything is supposed to be garbage. Get rid of everything good that we used to have. Ancient Greece used to have rudimentary flamethrowers that they would use in naval combat. That's wild. So I would say in the games, I like Matchlock. Right, right. That came first, right? Or was it Flintlock? I think it was Flintlock first. So I would say, like, if we're using guns yeah. as it, because, like, fantasy technology is weird to me, because it's like, there's a certain kind where it can be pretty advanced and I'm fine with it because it's like, oh, we stuck an elemental gemstone and it's hot and that powers clockwork and that's how we got an automaton. Yeah. And it's like, that's I, I can live with that. I don't know if I would be able to have an artificer who did that constantly, mm-hmm. but like I would prefer an artificer use golems. But, you know, once in a campaign running into that's pretty wonderful. Yeah. But in general, I would say the early guns, so like flintlock pistols, if we're using guns as a measurement, yeah, they're yeah. open season but open season in the sense that like pirates have them no one else really does because they kind of suck well because like yeah i think that's a good concept of like one if people can hurl magical firebolts from their hand eh, do you really need that many guns and then two like packing it in the old-fashioned like having to really pack it in and make sure it stays dry and you have like one shot and then you reload for a bunch at that point, you're just better off using crossbows. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, so I like, I like yeah. them existing for the aesthetic when we're pirates. But otherwise, it's like, I don't just, I don't really see the, the point in them very much. And yeah. like, yeah. as far as war goes, you know, fireball is the same thing as close range anti-infantry bombs, missiles. So like war mm-hmm. would be the same in the yeah, yeah. world <laughs> as it is in modern day real life so yeah i'd say that although i've been toying with the idea of our campaign three possibly being more like right before the car maybe 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 right before widespread electricity oh interesting so like victorian era so i've been debating with the idea of the next campaign being like you know some guy somewhere just invented electricity right so like maybe water deep has it but not really most places you know, maybe like Baldur's Gate Inner Ward has it mm-hmm. nowhere else. I've been toying with that idea, but like that's right. a long way away. I'll probably change my mind. But mm. uh, just for a little change up, I do like that era. Okay, yeah. Fantasy inspired by that era is pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's almost kind of like when Ethereal's at, I feel like, though they went not like electricity, but yeah, their magic. Everyone gets this magic power, so yeah. it allows for a lot of like fantastical devices in the, in the uh, enclaves. Yeah, I think that's a part in fantasy that is, uh, I don't know, not misrepresented, but like not explored enough like i think eberron part of the reason people love it and i think part of the reason eberron is really cool is that it's not 
steampunk. There's no steam. It's yeah. dungeon punk. It's all magic punk and like yeah, arcane punk. Yeah, yeah, what's his name? The creator of it calls it dungeon punk, and he which is cool. Yeah. Set out to do the inverse of the sentence. Any um, sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. He wanted to flip that. Mm-hmm. So any sufficiently advanced magic is indistinguishable from technology. And I think that's really interesting, mm. personally. Like, it's like, yeah, okay, this is a camera. But actually, inside the camera is a tiny, weird little imp guy that's just <laughs> able to draw really fucking fast. Cool, yeah. That's yeah, actually that's from, that's from Terry Pratchett. Yeah. But it's great. I love yeah, it. that's great. Okay, enough. Let's okay. get into the episode. So we'll start with one that's arguably surviving. But the Sargoth Enclave in present-day Undermountain was partially destroyed as a result of Karsis Folly. And the Nethery's arcanists that survived were twisted into magical potent undead that will become known as the Skulls of Skullport. Ah, yes, Undermountain. So this is this is uh, Skullport. It was in Nethery's enclave way back when doing some secret uh, research underneath the Undermountain. I can see what you mean by arguably survive. Yeah, <laughs> like it didn't fully explode. The mythal, the Mythalar, it didn't fully explode. It still partially survived. <laughs> yeah. After Karsus' folly, the floating cities of Ashram, Anura, and Holondath, also known as the Three Realms, settled down slowly to earth along Nethril's southeastern frontier, saved by the grace of Mistra. The survivors of these enclaves built realms of the same name in the remaining fertile lands between the spreading sands of Arnok and the region now known as the Desert Mouth Mountains. Although popular lore holds that Netherrealm fell by the hands of Karsis, many scholars consider the Lost Kingdoms to be the last age of low Netherrealm. So these ones were the ones that were caught. Caught? Does that... Wait. Holondath <laughs> is like a current country, isn't it? N- no, that's Holondath with an E. Oh. Holondath. Why, why, why they gotta be like this? Why <laughs> they gotta, why they gotta do this to me? I hate this. <laughs> no. I read it. I was like, wait. You mean the Snake City? It's like, no. No, <laughs> you would think so, but no. <laughs> the richest of the Lost Kingdoms was Lenaria, a human-ruled land of humans, elves, and half-elves. The Anarian nobles hunted boar, stags, and mountainous game, while the farmers produced food for the three. The ruins of Amazandar, Arunia's capital, lie due west of Rausowan, also known as Mount Shadath, the westernmost peak of Desert Mouth Mountains. All that now remains of the so-called City of Gems are a few half-buried ruins shattered by the might of the orcs, plus the deep mining shafts beneath the city that give access to still-rich veins of gemstones. Amazandar's gem mines are home to the Faerim and their minions, including legions of beholder-led orcs twisted by the fell spells of the Faerims. The undercroft of a ruined temple of Jurgle reportedly contains the fabulous tomb of King Thousimble, the wise, and his daughter, Queen Sadara the Fair. In truth, it contains a portal leading to the Dungeons of Swords in the Serpent Hills. What, how, what part of this is an enclave? So it was an enclave, and then they brought it down, like it was caught by Mistra, and then it became... Uh, like a kingdom on the ground afterwards. Oh, Anaria, this is the same from the last. Okay, sorry, I was confused there. Same. Yeah, from the last this is Anaria. Yeah, that's cool. How were they flipped? No, they they land. Well, yeah, that's weird. How did they land? Like, did Mistra open like a little cone shaped hole in the ground and drop them nicely? Or I guess so. Or did <laughs> or did on? she like let them land and they were kind of like maybe they were on an angle? Weird. It doesn't say. Yeah, I mean, weird. Weird. Yeah, I wonder what happened <laughs> i love the idea of beholder led orcs yeah that's very cool legions of beholder led orcs sick sick Ooh, they have like eyeball tattoos on their forehead or like paints on their forehead like the white hand of sauron oh that'd be cool that'd be so cool yeah oh that would be fun yeah Faerim and beholder seem to have a weird alliance an alliance that i would not want to be on the wrong side of yeah weird i wonder if it's because the beholders have the innate you know anti-magic eye right yeah maybe they enjoy that aspect or that just completely shuts down the Faerim. oh that could be it too yeah and they've have like and so like found like common ground because the Faerim were like well we can't fight beholders they have a natural way to just (laughs) shut us off so yeah yeah that could be it maybe the ruins of Anural, the City of Swords, lies north and east of Amzandar and due west of the Twisted Tower of Shadowdale. 
These ruins are in far better conditions than the remain of the city of Jams because the tide of orcs finally crested on the blades of Arunia's defenders of Anurel. The City of Swords was named for the fine steel blades manufactured there, many of which were magically enhanced by the wizards of the House Nintinel and Holrin. An impressive number of these magic swords are still within the ruins, but they are wielded by legions of swordswraith that still defend Anurel's sand-covered walls. Swordswraiths are cool. They are uh, yeah. exactly what they sound like. <laughs> They're wraiths, but they have swords, or they are swords that are wraiths? They're wraiths that have swords. Okay. They're just like wraiths, but sword! So, wait, I'm confused. Is this one surviving, or is this one ruined? So these are all kingdoms that were created after the fall of Netheril, and then they too, over time, right. died out. Right, okay. But these were what the survivors made. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This place sounds yeah. cool. I like it. Yeah, I like it too, and I like the idea of like these magical swords. It would be a cool little thing if you're doing yeah. fall of Netheril uh, campaign or like a Arunak Desert uh, campaign that like you yeah get these cool magic swords a plus one or a I don't know, enchanted sword. I also really like the idea of uh, a thing called the City of Swords not being a city, mm. like it being ruins. That just sounds cool to me. I love ruins called the City of Swords. It's just a very appealing name for ruins in a dungeon to me. No, that's true. Yeah, it's very true. The shattered remnants of Halvara, the main agricultural and fishing center of the realm, are located in the southern shore of Lake Mir, hard by the flanks of the Desert Mouth Mountains. Two fortresses, Tower Helath and Tower Remanath, have also survived more or less intact. The troops that manned these structures once guarded Anurinia against the goblins of Arugol, Goblin Mount, to the far south of Orlath Woods, to the west. The nomadic orc hordes from the mountains to the east, the brigands and monsters from Hunter Hills in the south, and occasional outlaw raiders from Ashram to the north. Man, that tower held it down. <laughs> yeah, right. Aha, we survived the greatest calamity in known history. What do we do now? Oh, shit. We're being attacked. By I guess this is what we'll do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll spend the rest of our lives defending. Exactly. We just got, we got to keep it up. We got to save the farmers. <laughs> I love that. I think, like, as we're going through these survivor states, though, it would be, I think, a really fun, I was thinking about this as I was reading up, on Netheril recently, it would be a really fun campaign to play. Like the survive, like start your campaign pretty low level in Netheril and then survive Carcass's folly yeah, yeah. and then like build it up from there. And so you pick one of these, like, or you work as a venture between these different survivor states. I think it'd be pretty fun. As you just freaking open the campaign, hot opening cold opening i don't know hot opening with uh <laughs> as you walk down the street you make eye contact with a woman across the street and just past her you see a cloud fly up from behind the edge of the city confused about what's going on you turn bells start to ring people in the street start to panic as you notice the air start to rush upward as your city descends to the ground i don't know it sounds i think it'd be really sweet it sounds so cool yeah no that'd start, be so cool start a campaign with the city you're in falling yeah exactly and then like you have to decide like people are yeah we'll find out where they go but like people are doing this so we do this i heard that uh enclave survived in the like maybe you're one of the ones that shattered and so you pick up the remains and you're like i heard enclave survived up in the in the north or something ah that'd be so cool oh yeah you go around and try and find other other survivors and uh refugees of netheril yeah yeah and like Faerun would be like the scariest thing in that campaign like until you get oh, like strong enough like you're always worried and if you hear that they're nearby you pack up and run quickly yeah that'd be cool ashram was the second richest of the lost kingdoms it's Citizens organized regular expeditions into the Great Sand Sea to bring back lost magic of Netheril as well as its precious metals, gold, zinc, and copper. In Ashram, the art was widely employed to meet everyday needs. The worst excesses of High Netheril's jaded nobles were practiced at all levels of society. Ashram was eventually destroyed by a plague that Talona unleashed during a deific battle with her rival, Kip Yutu. Because the plague still clings to these ruins, they remain largely untouched. Yo, I've never heard of the name Kip Yuto, but I love that name. <laughs> what is this god? <laughs> Kip Yuto, yeah. Who is Kip Yuto? I've never heard about Kip Yuto. Let me look it up real quick. Kip Yotito. 
demigoddess of disease slain by Telona. Oh, there you go. Kiputito. Okay, Kiputito. Their chosen battleground was the city of Asram, one of the four remaining cities of Netheril. Yep. So is this like the Netherese god, I'm guessing, of disease? They just, it doesn't say. They just both shared. A portfolio. They shared a portfolio. So Telona was like, you have to die. Yeah. <laughs> and then succeeded. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. The remnants of Philajaram, Ashram's capital, lie due west of the headwaters of the River Tesh in the southern reaches of Atar's Looking Glass. Although gold-leaf statues of serpents and other treasures still lie within the scorched husks of its ancient villas, the city of the serpent now stands largely silent and abandoned, guarded by the threat of Talona's touch. The Shadowvar came here to experiment with new workings of the art, and they delight in the demonstrating their spells on uninvited guests. Sounds like a really cool dungeon this place just like still ravaged by an ancient plague yeah i guess that's like kind of what you guys are doing in witch hunt right now Mm -hmm. but yeah that sounds really cool i really like that you go to this dungeon that's just like you know everything is plagued and gross and you got to be careful not to touch anything lest you get the plague yeah sounds like a good way to uh get your players to plan ahead well i wonder if kip yuto died there would kip yuto's body be there i don't know maybe because that'd be weird like i like you, you start to go in the ruins and you see these like weird structures in the ruins and they're like, wait a second, it like, looks like a finger bone. Yeah, right. I think it'd be cool. Yeah. I feel like you could fill it with uh, your choice of either or both, you know, plague ridden zombies, you know, like the zombie plague splatter and stuff from uh, Van Richten's. Mm, but you could yeah. also fill it with just creatures immune to disease and poison. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe that makes sense. maybe you get there expecting this plague ridden, undead filled tomb of a god. And you get there and you're like, who the heck are you? And some blackguard comes out and is just like, why, with a hand of death, the paladin order of Bane. Who the fuck are you? And they're like, we were expecting lost ruins. And they were like, well, yeah, but no one ever comes to these lost ruins because of the plague. And we we can't get the plague. It's a pretty good place for a paladin order to hide out, don't you think? (laughs) And the party's like, well, we don't really know what to do now. This is awkward. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it'd be a great place for... A secret paladin hideout? Yeah, for like a dark paladin, black card hideout. That'd be great. Yeah. In Orlin, the city of magicians, villas and orators once clustered around a circular city core that featured canals, parks, and a fortress. More than a decade ago, during battles between the Bedine and the Zentarum, the canals were poisoned, and the crenellated rampart walls of the fortress were breached in many locations. Today, a crumbling fortress surrounded by several acres of ruined buildings stand in a broad, grassy valley overlooked by ridges. Four canals divided the city remains into quarters, and a fifth canal encircles the whole ruin. At the center of the fortress, an artisan well still bubbles to the surface with impressive fountain. Other ruins of Ashram include the city of Ul Shantir, noted for its coppersmiths and fine brass goods, and the port city of Mirsar, whose people once harvested blue-scaled branch and the spicy crab fin from the waters of Lake Mir. Wow. Wow. Another good dungeon. Yeah, yeah. Another good ruinous dungeon. I love how this one... Okay, I know these are like cities that happened after the fall of Netheril, but calling a Netherese city the city of magicians <laughs> it's a little it's a little bit like those you know a few episodes ago what were they called you know like the the shadow frogs right, or whatever yeah. they were yeah. you know who called themselves like the company of the frog yeah the order of were, the frog yeah yeah and they were frog people it feels a yeah. bit like that yeah you yeah know? what are we we're the city of magicians <laughs> it's, it's like well so are all the other yeah. Netherese cities <laughs> what don't what else do you do <laughs> yeah i uh, it seems like Ashram kind of didn't learn the lessons of old Netheril, and they're like, "Oh yeah, well, yeah, back at it, boys. Like, let's keep doing doing what we were doing." And yeah, their ruin uh, kind of seems not brought upon them, but it definitely doesn't seem like they learned much. I think this would be a good dungeon if you wanted to have. Um, I know the last one I said a stronghold of paladins, which I think actually would come to think of it, that would be a fantastic spin on that dungeon. Yeah. And maybe you know they're there, someone has figured it out, and you need to go storm this place where they have the upper hand because they're immune to the disease and poison. Mm-hmm. But I think this one would be cool as, yeah, a uh, Bedin or Zintarum, some kind of company has co-opted it as their own place and you have to go bring ruin to them. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Well, yeah, Zentarum will learn as we go through the Arnok Desert, but the Zentarum have a huge presence here. Yeah. Yeah. 
There's a they have a city in the Arnak Desert, don't they? Uh, they have multiple fake oasis that they make. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Northernly Holondath was a land of loggers and herders who tended sheep, goats, and ronth. Holundites made sturdy wagons, fine furniture, and paper, and they also shipped raw lumber to other lands. Holondath initiated a series of conflicts against the fair folk of Cormanthir in hopes of stealing some greater magic from them. Instead, the so-called crown against the scepter wars cost the Holundites much blood and treasure and brought them no usable returns. Holondath finally collapsed as the spreading sands of Arunak consumed its fields, driving the people eastward into the Moon Sea and Daleland regions. I love how they were like, oh no, magic ruined everything, and now we're like this shitty little loggas and hiddas with roth, which are just big fantasy cows. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, now we're reduced to this peasantry because of magic. Because magic ruined everything and killed all our ancestors and everyone we called home and created this big desert. You know what we should do? Go into that forest and steal magic. <laughs> I want magic back. We let's go s- magic. Let's go fucking steal it. Get all your wrath. Let's go. It's so, it's so funny to me. Like, come on, guys. Did you not learn anything? Come on. And apparently not. <laughs> let's go steal more magic from the elves. They go in yeah. here and the, the, the elves of the Cormanther are just like... Who are you? They're like, hello, Cormenta elves. Can we have some magic, please? And the elves are like, who are you? And they're like, we're, um, Londithites? Londites? Hmm. What did you used to be? Well, Netherese people. Nope, get out of here. No, get out of here. What We've learned our you? mistakes there. <laughs> yeah. Never again. Thousands of years ago, we learned our lesson. Get out. Get out. <laughs> and the Londites are like, oh, we'll be back. We'll lose, but we'll be back. We'll be back. <laughs> The capital city of Melos now lies beneath the drifting sands of the northeastern sword, to the north and west of the mines of Tymanthar. According to Zentarum spies in the region, bands of Blaine singers from Evermeet have made repeated forays to the site. Such activities suggest that the Hohendates stole some items of value from the Cormanthir that remains lost to this day. The fortified city of Rulvandar which stood just west of the border forest, served as a bastion of might against uh, marauding ogres, orcs, and goblinoids of the moon scene. From this refuge, companies of spearmen made repeated forays into the area now known as the border forest. Like its sister city, Milos, ruled Vedar is now buried beneath the Great Sand Sea. The Zentarim have partially excavated the central fortress, and from time to time they post garrisons within the lonely ruin. Such duties were considered one of the Zentarum's harshest forms of punishment until the recent discovery of a cache of unspelled gem-encrusted circlets dating back to the waning days of the Crown Against the Scepter Wars. It's pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. I think Rolvedar, I think it would be really cool if you were traveling through the desert and you came across this, like, Zentarum keep, this Zentarum stronghold that is, like, half buried in the sand. Yeah. That sounds so cool to me. Like, it's just this you know fortress that's half under sand that sounds so wicked that's yeah, so cool it's like remember the black dragon garanax's mansion in the swamp mm. that was half under the swamp water yeah i think that's so cool i think it's a fantastic site to send either good aligned party members who have to find a way to barter with the zentarum for safe refuge for the night or sends zentarum there i just love yeah. that imagery that's so cool otherwise i think uh melos yeah. would also be really cool dungeon crawl beneath the sand you know you could have a really cool um mm. skill challenge where it's falling apart and sand is starting to slip through the cracks of the ceiling pouring everywhere and you're having to dodge right. boulders that are uh, accompanied by huge pillars of thousands of pound, pounds of sand falling um i think you could make a really dynamic final boss fight in there where oh, yeah. every round at initiative count 20 more rocks from the ceiling fall and there are just these pillars of sand filling the room if you get knocked into one of the falling sand pillars you take bludgeoning damage and get knocked prone um, maybe you're restrained from the sand piling on you um but really cool place to send a blade singer if you have a blade yeah. singer in your party um Bladesinger is broken down into schools. So there's mm. the snake, the cat, the falcon. I don't know, based on the weapon you use. Right, um, okay. So the snake school uses a whip, you know, longsword, mm. scimitar, blah, 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 blah. Um, 
so I think it'd be really cool, you know, you get sent here to retrieve, you know, an ancient weapon from your school of blade singing. Yeah. And it yeah, could become be like really your cool. PC's kind of, you know, trademark item, weapon. Yeah. Well, we can talk about it more uh, in the next few episodes, but I would play, I don't know, because I couldn't find too much lore about what's n- currently happening with the Zentarum in Arunak with uh, Manchun dying. But if there are still some there, I would have them be kind of like the old fashioned Zentarum, like the holdouts of the like evil as hell Zentarum. The old ways. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah, exactly. The life drain spells of the Faerims, coupled with the literal fall of High Netheril, precipitated one of the greatest migrations in humanity that has ever occurred in Western Faerun. From negative 461 DR to negative 333 DR, Nethri's refugees moved west and southwest to the lands now known as the Silver Marches, the, Backla- the Backlands, and Sunset Vale. Those who followed the northern mountain passes were welcomed by the shield dwarves of Sinatel Sundbar and the fair folk of Erlan. In time, the elven city of Azkalhorn was given over to the Nethri's refugees on the condition that they help defend Erlan and forswear the use of their forebearers' most dangerous arcane practices. Those few who had embraced Karsis as a savior were persecuted for their beliefs. They made their way to his petrified corpse in the high forest and built a city of Kars at its foot. The survivors who migrated down the twin waterways, known as the Winding Water and the River Reaching, merged with Kalashites, Shondathans and Talfir to form fledgling realms such as the Duchy of Indoria, which was located in the region now known as the Field of the Dead. Some migrated to planned subterranean cities such as Gonthgrim and the Netherese Caverns of Philloch, while others used the art to craft new cities such as Halbrester. Yeah, Citadel Sundbar. Yeah. Later gets renamed, renamed Sundabar. Sundabar. That's fun. And I much prefer Sundabar because it's yeah. just very fun to say. Sundabar. Sundabar. <laughs> Where are you going? We're making a journey up to Sundabar. Sundabar. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's great. Yeah, this makes sense to me. Yeah. That there would be like a mass migration. Yeah, like no one wants to be around with the Faerim and the fact that it's turning into a desert. I think it is cool though because it makes it so you could have a sorcerer with Netherese blood or some Netherese like ancestors pretty easily be from yeah, yeah. anywhere around here. I like the idea of like, oh man, you could play like, so you're a sorcerer, right? Yeah. And I don't know, I think it doesn't make too much sense to do it this way or uh, flavor of spells and stuff wise. But so one of the things of uh, yeah. the aberrant mind sorcerer, one of the quarks is that you like hear voices and stuff. Mm. And uh, so like maybe your sorceress origin, you're a descendant from Netheril, but like, one of the Arc Wizards' contingency spell fucked up because magic fucked up when they f- the enclaves fell, right? And you have him inside you. Yeah. Like, literally, he is trapped in you, and he's not able to exert his full will, and you don't know that he's trapped Ooh, in you. He's trapped in you from, like, way, 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 way back. Like, yeah. your great, 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 great grandfather. And, uh, yeah, right. You know, you like hear his voice in your head telling you to do things, mm. and that's how you do your spells. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And like, you're only you're only able to you don't you don't speak Netherese. Yeah. So this explains why you're only able to do it a little bit. Mm. Like as you level up, as you level up, you learn more and more. You understand more and more what he is telling you. Right. So it's like at first you're like. Okay, I've picked up a couple words here and there. And, you know, I always imagine cantrips as quite simple. You know, it's like left foot forward blast. Yeah, right. You know, and so hearing those words over and over again, you're like, hmm. And so him in your head, his goal is to get you to be powerful enough to rip you him out of yourself. Right, yeah. That's pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. And you get to play off as like this, you know, person with voices yeah. in your head. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. Yeah, I think also a really fun thing to play if you wanted like a hook for your adventure or for your big bad is like Karsus is still, he was able to take the godly power of Mr. in him and then it overwhelmed his body, but he still, he kind of has Mistral's spark in him in his petrified body. So you could have a big bad that was able to figure out how to, True. or is trying to figure out how to like absorb that or take that out of Karsus' petrified body. And he fucks up and Karsis is back. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. And from years of petrification, he's just all balls to the wall at it. <laughs> yeah. Insane. Yeah, exactly. Have them be like, oh, I'm trying to steal the power. But then it ends up being, oh, he was just being manipulated subconsciously. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it was actually Karsis trying to get out. Yeah. I mean, that's really even cool. a decent way to have, I mean, the inciting incident of your campaign is this sorcerer we're talking about. The voices in this sorcerer player character's mm. head are all saying, go to this location. And when they finally get there, yeah. they find Karsis's petrified self and they accidentally release him. Yeah, yeah. That'd be really cool. Yeah. The inhabitants of Halrua and Nimbral are direct descendants of the Netherese though they have a trace of Lepalian ancestry. After the fall of Nethril, some Nethrees sought to rebuild, so they founded Anrunia, Ashram, and Hwandath. Others desired a new home far away from the depredations of the Faerim and Karsus's folly. To that end, Raumark, the archwizard of Hwandath, led a great migration of skyships to Halruian Basin of the southern reaches of Faerun, where he and his people founded a new nation. Several centuries later, a group of dissatisfied Haruians broke away and founded the island realm of Nimbral. Although these realms have preserved many of Nethri's traditions and arcane practices, each has evolved in its own unique traditions. That's pretty cool. I like that lore for those countries. Yeah, we're, you know, we'll eventually cover them. We're not going to cover them today. Yeah. But yeah, it's cool that they are kind of like offshoots of Nethries who are just trying to make a new a new beginning they were like let's get as far away from this cursed land as we can <laughs> exactly <laughs> like where the Faerum cannot follow us i like nimbral i don't really know much about nimbral to be mm. um honest but every time i see it on the map i'm always like side-eyeing that place being like i bet that place is cool the name yeah, it's probably pretty cool. The name and its location are just both like appealing to me for some reason yeah. that I can't explain. Yeah, I gotta read up more on it because it's it's ancient Ethri's like run or led, so probably be a pretty cool city. Yeah, pretty cool island. The fortified city of Hellbrester, with its linked towers, rose like a hand reaching for the stars from a low lying island just east of the site of Improg. So this is in the Lanther Isles, right? Its famed towers were great cylinders built of green-hued local island stone by a small group of refugees from Low Netheril. They chose to settle in the Lanther Isles because weakened Kalashite control over the region allowed them to establish an independent realm fairly close to many populated centers. The city consisted of towers built so close together and linked on so many levels that only seabirds and creeping beasts could use the spaces between. Great domed crystal ceilings were raised over many towers to allow light into the garden-like interiors of large halls, but the smaller rooms and passages existed in almost perpetual gloom, illuminated by floating drift globes. The founders of Halbrester used magics to prolong their lives and became known as elders. Preferring to spend their time in arcane studies, they favored a policy of isolation from the world. This place sounds cool. I like it. This place sounds super cool. Yeah, this really cool green towered, um, like interlock, and it's on an island, so it's probably like yeah, like why they have to build so close together. I feel like this would be a really good place to send your party if they were um, seeking lost or forbidden knowledge. Mm, yeah, you have to go to the uh, cloistered, isolated sages of oh. Hellbresta, <laughs> the towers oh, yeah. of Hellbresta. Well, just wait. Maybe if you're playing the older, the, the survived Nethri's campaign. Uh, oh, they die? Yeah. As time passed, the oh, original elders died or withdrew into seclusion, acquiring an age-crazed reputation among their descendants. When pirates sought to seize control of Hellbrester, the elders blasted the intruders in their ships with powerful spells, winning Hellbrester a touch-it-not reputation. Mainlanders seeking freedom from various forms of oppression sailed to the Sunset Towers in hope of settling there, and were usually accepted. The city slowly grew into a neutral ground port used by pirates and merchant shippers alike, though many coastal Tetherians considered it a pirate power waiting to erupt. So you could you could still go to these guys? Uh, it's still for now, for now. <laughs> okay. Um, I do like the idea, though, of these Netherese people spreading across the world yeah. and then like wherever they go the neighbors are just like how are you doing this you <laughs> yeah, know as they're exactly erecting, right. <laughs> erecting these in like ridiculous towers of 
fantastic architectural and magical feats with crystal domed ceilings and yeah. <laughs> inner forests. Everyone's just like, how are you doing this? Because yeah, this is still so long <laughs> right. ago. Yeah. And the Netheril people are just like, you don't know how to do this. We learned this in second grade. Exactly. Come on, man. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Making crazy towers. Yeah. They're just like, what is the rest of the world? What have you yeah. all been doing this whole time? <laughs> you don't have toilets? Ugh. Drip globes? What? Like, yeah. I just love them the idea of, yeah, they're just like so advanced. They're doing these like feats, these amazing feats. And everyone else is like, what? And to them, it's just like, you know, regular carpentry or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Halbraster was governed by lords and ladies, the head of twelve of its most senior families, who had retired from public life many years before, were still lurking in hidden, spell-guarded rooms and passages. Eventually, they attained two different imperfect forms of lichdom. Both forms of undeath required the liches to subsume energy. Life essence for Thaklomer and spell power for Mingardor from time to time, or crumble away. So Thaklomer became kidnappers and murderers and Migrador thieves of magic. The two managed to elude detection for some years by preying almost exclusively on visiting outlanders, although dark rumors began to circulate the city. Then one fateful day, they met and began to feud in earnest. Towers came crashing down as one lich or another sought to destroy their rival. The bewildered Halbrestons raced through the rubble with drawn swords seeking the source of the threat, but were powerless to stop the destruction. At last, when the entire southern end of Halbrester collapsed, Megador was thrown down and buried in the rubble. Pirates promptly came plundering, and few Halbrestians who survived raids fled the city forever. Pirates who sought to claim the remaining towers as strongholds were slain by the stalking Thaklumar, and when a pirate fleet gathered to hunt down its mysterious slayer, the lich's spell blasted entire ships into tumbling embers. Today, nothing but jagged shoals and tumbling stones lie off Iprog, where proud towers of Halbrester once stood. The treasure of Netheril that once becked the, bedecked those proud halls were looted long ago and now lie in pirate caches and noble vaults throughout Tithir, Om, and Melanther. What happened to Thaklamar? Uh, don't know. Don't know what happened to Thakmalar. Thakmalar might still be there. He killed Mingadar. Yeah, he killed the pirates. And, uh, during their lich, during their lich fight, and then he killed the pirates, and then it doesn't say what happened to him. So he, he, he yeah. So he might still be there. See, you could still do it. You're just going to talk to a cloistered lich. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, it'd be cool to have it. People talk about it as like a cursed island, so no one goes. And Thakmalar has kind of rebuilt it a little bit. I just, I've always liked the idea of liches that aren't just like. Oh, you can't go near the lich. You'll have the power to kill you. I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know. I like, you know, like in Chaos Campaign when you met Wangus the lich. Yeah, Wangus. And yeah. like, yeah, okay, he was eccentric and uh, had no chill, but also like he didn't kill you on sight or anything. He became a quasi-ally. Yeah. He gave you some information. Yeah, true. Like, I like the idea of liches not necessarily just being like creatures that you kill yeah. on sight or that kill you no, on sight. No, I think sight. that's cool. I like the idea that, you know, you go and find them and they always inherently have the upper hand in negotiations. So you have to figure out how to, you know, maneuver socially around them with, you know, very specific intent. Mm, yeah. Um, because at any moment they could just be like, my old mind <laughs> doesn't want to take this power would kill. Yeah. But yeah, this is cool. I really love the idea of like these two liches were just like, you know, walking through the tower corridors and they bumped into each other and they're like, wait a second, you're a lich. <laughs> and then Mingador's like, you're a lich. And they were like, <gasps> we must fight to the death. Um, and they just like bump <laughs> yeah, into exactly. each other and fucking Die. start destroying the place. And all the people who live here have no idea that these two liches exist. Yeah, Half exactly. the city's they're destroyed just... and everyone's just like, what is happening? Someone explain! <laughs> and all of a sudden, they see this fucking lich just get, uh, you know, thrown out the window. What's the term for that again? Defenestrated. Defenestrated. Yeah. Just gets like defenestrated out this window, and they're like, "What is that?" <laughs> I love this true. idea. That's so funny. That's so funny. Especially uh, because it's not like any city being destroyed by magic. It's a city that's a, like consists of mostly very tight knit towers. Yeah, so like exactly. it, it being destroyed in this battle would be much more 
jarring than normal <laughs> city destruction i feel yeah oh yeah totally uh that's great yeah yeah i mean very cool spot if you wanted thakamura could still be alive could be a good um weird patron also could make it so that Thaclamar actually yeah he destroyed the thing or mingledar even but one of them actually cast illusion magic to make people think it fell completely fell down that's pretty cool and that it's still partially there yeah, like they use mirage arcane or something pretty cool yeah exactly originally a ground-based bandit hideout the city of doubloon was transplanted into a flying citadel by the archwizard tempara fenwick tempara was impressed with the bandit's ability to counterfeit gold coins from various Nethery's cities and she strived to create quasi-magical devices to aid the bandits in their counterfeiting operations. Of course, this made the enclave of Dubloon less popular with the other cities. By the end of the Golden Age, Dubloon was a rogue city that floated above the surface of Netheril Empire, dodging one searching city after another. So this is during, still during Netheril. Yeah, this is still this is during Netheril. Negative yeah. 1645 up there. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> counterfeit, counterfeit uh, uh, enclave. Yeah. Dubloon lured some of the best jewelers to its streets, promising them higher profits and better working conditions than they would find in other cities. Soon, some of the finest quality gems found their way to the city streets. From there, they were sold with, to other jewelers, craftsmen, and wealthy wizards. Karsis fell on Dubloon for its piracy, but it simply disappeared as the two cities closed with one another. It is widely believed that Tempara had discovered a method for rendering the entire city invisible, although many believe that Karsis banished Dubloon and its inhabitants to some fiendish demiplane that Shadow had discovered. The truth remains unknown even after the fall of Netheril. That would be a pretty cool, regardless if you're doing a Netheril campaign, yeah. I think that would be a pretty cool quest. You have to go find this banished enclave. Yeah, the banished enclave of Dubloon, that's awesome. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. They've been, like, existing in this, you know, crappy demiplane for, you know, centuries. And it's yeah. just, like, you go and find them and they're, like, I don't know. It just sounds really cool. It could also be, I'm just going to throw out there, if you're doing an Astral Plains adventure or Astral Sea adventure, it could just say that they went to the Astral Sea and you have this cool enclave in the Astral Sea. Yeah, you could. Yeah. Uh, and also, I would say, uh, yeah, Dublin just seems like a perfect place if, like, you're playing kind of like a... Like a thieves guild campaign or shadow guild campaign or some war some like thief warlord. It sounds like something that like a learned criminal would have like a semi obsession with. Like he collects rumors and trinkets of Dubloon and his like dream or their dream is to one day find it and they kind of like get you on that whole thing. Right. Yeah. I think it could also just be a cool thing to drop anywhere if you're plane hopping. Mm, you know, yeah. like you're running through the you're running through Carcery or something and you just happen upon this fucking floating Netherese city and you're like, What? Yeah. Yeah. Opus or Selunara stood in stark contrast to the other enclaves in Netheril, where a majority of archwizards opened up schools for magical studies to increase the ranks of spellcasters, Opus and Sid opened up colleges, universities, and other storehouses of knowledge. Where other floating cities had gladiatorial arenas, magical spell duels, or other barbarous acts, Opus established theaters and libraries. Opus was established by the mentalist Shever, who had spent most of his time trying to acquire knowledge after creating his contact other plane spells. It finally cost him his life when repeated contacts with an extra planar being drove him insane and he leapt into a sphere of annihilation. <laughs> Other arcanists quickly assumed the mantle of leadership, and Opus continued to produce some of the best bards, musicians, poets, and scholars known in Netheril. It escaped destruction by the grace of the Moon Maiden, who transferred the Enclave and its population to the Gates of the Moon. Today, Selunara continues to float in that plane's moonlit sky, untouched by the passage of time. Selunarans of the current era are Asimar, descended from the rescued Netherese in Saloon's servitors. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Saloon was just like, yoink. Yeah, you guys are pretty cool. I, I like your music. I like that one bard. <laughs> yoink, <laughs> yoink. Yoink up your whole place. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I like that. They're just chilling in a divine realm now. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, I think it's I wonder, really cool. I wonder why. Also, at the beginning of this, though, I... <laughs> this sentence, though... <laughs> Where the majority of Arc Wizards opened up schools, <laughs> Opus instead opened up three synonyms for schools. <laughs> yeah, true. I'm sorry, what college and universities and storehouses of knowledge are just schools. schools. Yeah, 
What? That's true. <laughs> like, I get what they're going yeah. for here. They open up theaters and libraries. I understand what they're going for here, but it's just like <laughs> schools and colleges are the same thing. Yeah, it's true. Very true. What? I was expecting it to say they opened up like schools for, you know, worshiping Saloon because of the name yeah. Salunara, but like, nope. They just opened bard schools <laughs> instead of wizard schools. Yeah. I, I like it though. Yeah, I think once again, Netherese campaign or something. If you could have these, they are surviving Netherese. You could have to talk to them or ask them about the ancient. Uh, you find out about them and you like contact other planes or find a way to talk to them. And they're just like, we're beyond that. Like we're like, that was so long ago. We don't care. Like we don't have the petty worships because they're all Asimars now like angels. Yeah, they're just like floating around. Yeah. The actual current spell contact other plane, a wizard spell, it does that. It uh, causes psychic damage and insanity if you fail a saving throw. <laughs> Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. On the northeastern border of Hype Lake, Shade was established uh, as a community of arcanists who specialized in planar research. The entire city was continuously bathed in shadow, even in broad daylight, by application of some version of the darkness spell. Some of the other enclaves believed the city was inhabited solely by undead who were sensitive to light. The citizens of Shade built a mosque dedicated to the treacherous aspect of Taish, they used her vengeful nature to benefit their goals while using the luck aspect of Taish to weigh the results in their favor. The mosque was a mass of priests vying for supremacy over a congregation that was out for nothing more than a fuller pocket and revenge for anyone whose activities threatens theirs. One thing that kept them together was anger and suspicion against the church of Taish in Imbru. Utilizing the Archwizard Shadow's notes, the Shade of Shade successfully completed an experiment started hundreds of years earlier personally depositing their city in the demic plane of shadows. In this of the calls of the other archwizards, Shade pushed itself further researching contact with other planes of existence. Residents of Imbru, who had kept a wary eye on the Enclave since the establishment of their Church of Taish, noticed that the Enclave was pulled into a misty, shadowfield dimension with, uh, at a time that roughly corresponded with the fall of other Enclaves. Could have fallen into a domain of dread. Uh, they, they came back, these ones, oh, old cool. shade. Before we go further, um, Taish, Taish is, um, when Timora and Bishaba were one god. Oh, okay, and, interesting. um, is also the god of luck from the Olympian pantheon, hmm. um, IRL. They are shared between the Netherese pantheon and the Olympian pantheon. I don't know why, maybe the creators of the pantheons, like the D&D creators like Gygax or whoever ran out of ideas. Right but um, <laughs> the Olympian pantheon does exist in canon. You can go find Zeus if you plane hop enough. Mm. The Olympians and the Elven pantheons actually share a divine realm. Oh, interesting. Uh, they're yeah. both considered chaotic good pantheons. Fair. But... They got split into Timora and Bishaba during the Dawn Cataclysm, which was when Lathander, oh. who's supposed to be lawful good, was just like, uh, fuck the Pantheon. I'm going to reshape it in the way I think it should be. Yeah. And it's just like, bruh, you jackass. Yep. And it ruined everything and killed a whole bunch of gods. Yep. He epically failed at it. Um, and Taish was split into two, Timora and Bishaba. And it's just very funny because it's like, Lathander, you just are an overwhelming jackass. Yep. <laughs> yep. What do you mean you're going to reshape the pantheon in your image? What gives you the right to do that? I know. This is like, that's like Cyric level nefariousness. <laughs> and nobody's ever like, Lathander's a jackass. Yeah, but he is a jackass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why is he venerated as one of the, I mean, okay, he's the god of trade. Well, traveling merchants. So I guess that's why he's important but it's like i think it's because he he erased pretty much all knowledge of it like there's nothing written about the dawn cat cataclysm right it's so it's yeah. so funny he's such a jackass yeah <laughs> he's such a what uh, he is is he's a he's a dude bro yeah he's you a know, dude bro he's just, like, he just uh, thinks like oh of course this is gonna work this is gonna work i'm great do you know how much <laughs> do you know, have you seen my muscles do you know how much i can bench i can bench so much look at my lats look at my delts why would the gods not want to be like me? A fragment of ancient Nethrese, who called themselves Shadowvar, <laughs> escaped the destruction of their empire by fleeing into Shadowfell. They spent long, difficult centuries there, but finally returned, although with something of the shadow stuff in them. The Nethrese returned in the year of Wild Magic, 1372 DR, and found their old empire in ruins, buried under a desert covering the once verdant landscape. 
Their nation was all but forgotten by the descendants of the tribes they once ruled with an iron fist. To the Shadavar, the world seemed a nightmare landscape of savage realms. It was a place where magic was, was suppressed by the upstart Mistra to a ghost of its former grandeur. The Shadavar pledged that the peoples of Netheril will once again accept Nethris as their rightful masters. The city of black walls and high spires hangs suspended by mighty magics above the scimitar spires. Shade Enclave is peopled by descendants of the ancient Nethris wizards, now thousands of years old, sustained in life by magic and a connection to the Shadowfell. Legions of dark-armored sword mages patrol the city, and twelve princes of old, wizards infused with the power of shadow stuff, yet lead the city as they did before escaped the Empire's fate. Shade represents one of the most potent concentrations of arcane might in the face of Toriel. It has forged empires of incredible size and power in just few short mortal generations. And twelve princes never cross each other. They are unified in their goals, or at least they present that public face. Each rules the confines of his own dark mansion, much as a mortal baron oversees his communities. All the princes answer to the Most High, all told, only a couple of hundred shades live in the city. Most of the Shadowvar are still human. However, all have been touched by generations of living in the Shadowfell, and Shatterkai began to appear spontaneously in the generations following Shade's return to Faerun. Yeah, so the city of Shadow, that's what this is, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's in like the middle of the Netherese yeah. Desert, or the Anorak Desert. That's what I always think of as the... I always confuse it and think the city of shadow is Zentarum, mm, right? Just because I don't know, it seems like it. But this is my favorite yeah. Netherese piece of lore. Yeah, it's so cool. This, this is bar none my favorite piece of Netherese lore. It's fantastic. I love the shades. They become kind of like the humanoid rulers of the Shadowfell too, mm, mm. and they populate the Shadowfell and they become kind of like the nobility, quote unquote, of the Shadowfell. And so in the Shadowfell, you've got shades which were born from Netherese, Netheril. Right. You've got Shatterkai, and then you've got Dark Ones, and Dark Ones kind of play the role of the naturally occurring humans right. of the Shadowfell. You can actually summon Darklings, which are the small race version of Dark Ones, mm. um, with uh, Summon Fae. But the novels freaking love shades. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're reading some Driss novels, and yeah. I don't know how far you in, so I'm not going to say any spoilers, <laughs> but, like, the novels just love being, like, not even just the Driss novels. Yeah. Like, there's another set of novels written by, I forget who, but it takes place in, um, not Cormier, but the country right next door to Selgaunt? it. Selgaunt? is a city in... Sembia. Sembia. Yeah, there's a book that takes place in Sembia where they're just like, ha-ha, characters become shades. Why? They just do. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, they love characters who aren't shades turning into shades by some you know magical miscellany happening, which yeah. I think is really cool. I really like the idea that you can just turn into a shade. Yeah, sh like the the shadow bar returning in the year while magic. I think that was a big kind of cataclysm and like driving force of the story of three e, 3.5e right was the return of ethereal and their like their subjugation of that land and there's a lot of wars against them i will probably talk about it when we talk about cormier and sembia because like they caused so much to happen but yeah they are major players in the D, &D canon Oh, yeah, we were just uh, playing through uh, Ark in Selgant, personally, in a campaign Stephen and I both play in. And mm -hmm. the idea of people in Sembia wanting to rip their cities into the Shadowfell to mimic Netheril yeah. is um, canon. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't think it happened nearly in the way that we experienced mm -hmm. it, yeah. or even in Selgant, I'm unsure. But it's like a canon thing where they're just like, ah, copy Netheril, yeah. Shaw will be happy. <laughs> it was better, it was better the old ways. Well, I mean, they were powerful. They may be yeah. like, I, I don't know. I have to read more into them if they're actually evil or if they just have a different idea and kind of like a superiority complex. But like, yeah, they are, they were very powerful. I mean, they're twisted by shadow stuff, right? So they're just like innate yeah. mode of being would be changed. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm curious. I don't know if that makes them evil or not, but it would make them, you know, Shadowfell-ish. Yeah. So like sucky. That would be cool though. I, I could see the Zentarum, maybe the Zentarum that survived uh, in the Arunak are now kind of aligned with the Shadow, the Shadow Var. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, though didn't actually know because I think the Shadow Var were the ones that actually destroyed Zental Keep. I will have to read more about it later. Ulam's last human apprentice, Tabra, thought her master had been destroyed in a battle with his own students. In revenge, she slaughtered the Intal's mind flayers by casting Ayulam's longevity on herself in the midst of the community. 
I should I should preface this. Yeah. Ayulam uh, survived Netheril by leaving his enclave right near Cautious Folly and went to the Underdark and started training illithids in magic because he's crazy. But they uh, eventually killed Didn't him. that come up? Yeah, it will come up. Yeah, it kind of came up in the last one. Yeah, that they said he, like, he turned into an elder brain or something. Yeah, so this is just, yeah. In revenge, she slaughtered the Ilintel's mind flayers by casting Ayulam's longevity on herself in the midst of the community. She then destroyed all records of the spell and fled to the surface. Thanks to the many subsequent castings of that epic spell, Tabra still lives today. How did that and- kill the Illithid? So Alulam's longevity, I think it either explodes you with magic or it takes all life around you. It does something terrible to everyone around you. To make you live To longer. keep you alive. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That makes more sense. Until recently, she operated a rooming house and a fest hall called Bargerite Inn and worked with the Harpers. Most of the locals suspected that she was a gold dragon in disguise, thanks to her apparent longevity and infrequent casting of shape change to assume the form of a dragon. Recently, however, she was captured by the Shadowvar and brought back to the City of Shade. Her present circumstances are unknown, but if she yields to the persuasions of the Shadowvar, the Prince of Shade may gain some important clues about Ayulam's last known location and circumstances. I added this just because I think Tabra is a really cool thing to have in the world, really yeah. cool person to have in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the idea that they think she's a gold dragon. I like that she... Uh... <laughs> I like that she operates a fest hall and is chill with the Harpers. Yeah. I like this guy. I think this is a great character. I think I she's mean, a great character, yeah. Yeah, looking it up here, Ayulam's longevity uh, kills everything within its area of effect, well, deals <laughs> massive damage to everything within its area of effect, and yeah. if you're slain by it, you're reduced to a pile of dust. <laughs> um, it it also damages constructs, objects, and undead, so it destroys the buildings you're in. But only living creatures' life force are added to the longevity of the caster, and each living creature destroyed by the spell extends their life by one year. Okay, so she will have to go into some place and just kill a bunch of people every so often. Yeah, just keep finding yeah. uh, illithids. Yeah, exactly. They're pretty, they're pretty evil, so like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she would be a cool character to have around either as, a, as an ally or uh, as like an oddity in your campaign. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Long before the rise of Netheril, the Saruk Empire known as Istasafil dominated the Arunak Basin. Today, the shrunken remains of this once great empire include only the buried city called Omri, Orim, and whatever caverns its remaining inhabitants can hold against the might of the Faerims. The 60 Sirak liches of Orim take turns ruling their tiny realm each emerging from hibernation to take the throne for four years, then returning to somnolence in the crypt-dreaming lizards, when the next lich reawakens. Unbeknownst to Netherese, the archwizard known as Anthrindal, the Arthrindal the Terrasir, was actually a Saruk lich from the ancient Atesaphil who adopted the guise of a human arcanist during his turn on the throne of Orem. By making periodic visits to Netheril, he sought to further the study of the art among the Netherese and shape their evolution of their history. In this manner, he hoped to cultivate new forms of magic that might enable the Saruk to defeat the Faerim once and for all. It is unclear whether the Tessier considered his Netherese experiment a success or a disaster, but he has not emerged from Orium since Karsis's folly. Since he is currently midway through his latest four-year reign, Anyone who locates the crypts of Orium and enters in peace can ask to speak with him. If a visitor treats the Asa Abyss that guards Orium with respect and shows real promise as a student of the art, Anthrindal might acquiesce to a bold request for information about the Netheril in exchange for some new arcane lore that Saruk can use against the Faerim. Arthindal, also it's Terraseer, as in Earth Prophet. Oh, Earth Terraseer. Oh, cool. Earth Prophet, Terraseer. Like a, a seer of the celestial body right. you are on. Terraseer. Terraseer, okay. Arthindal, the, you know, planet prophet, Terraseer. essentially. Yeah, yeah, the planet prophet. Oh, that's he, cool. Uh, yeah, he's a really cool figure, in my opinion, that, uh, yeah, in the lore, he kind of just, like, shows up in Netheril one day and is just like, hey, everyone, <laughs> prophecies and magic stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. And then they're just like, yo, you're funky and smart. And he's like, I am. 
But you'll have to learn more on the next episode of Arthendol the Terracea. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Yeah. And then, you know, he comes back 50 years later and it's like, oh, you're doing pretty good. Here's more weird primordial knowledge. Hope you don't kill everyone with it. See you next episode. Um, yeah, I think he's, I, I like him. I think he's cool. He uh, has, I think he also has some connection to the Nether Scrolls. Yeah, that makes, um, well, because the Saruk made the Nether Scrolls. So that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think he has some connection to them. That being said, I think this Orin is so stupid. Why are they there? Like, they're like, oh, there's like 10 of us here, but we have 60 leaders and we're buried underground and it's hell living here because we constantly have to fight back the Ferrum. Move. Yeah, just leave just, your leeches. Your 60 you, leeches. Just go. You don't have to live here. <laughs> Move. Yeah, there's 60 leeches. Teleport even your house if you want. You definitely have the magical power to. You're the... Because Arthendal the Terrasir is kind of like the reason Netheril happened. Yeah. <laughs> like he's kind of the, you know, the man behind the man behind the man behind the throne. Yeah. And uh, so it's like, you guys definitely have the power to just move. <laughs> but Why like, are you still here? Like, we got to kill those Faerun. We're, we were here first. They, sh- they should be yeah. the ones that move. <laughs> I mean, like, it comes up in games yeah. and in history a lot yeah. with you know it's like like it came up in the game the other day or you know a couple months ago in that session where the uh gripley were on the island and they were being you know essentially renovicted by murder and um y'all were like well why don't you leave and they were like well because we live here <laughs> we, we don't just want to leave like this is where my dad lived yeah. and my grandpa lived and my great great grandpa <laughs> lived and like we got a shrine and stuff and i think throughout real life history there's a lot of that oh, too yeah. oh, it's like yeah. You could just leave. But it's a bit different when you're 60 liches who could, like, you know, moving is no big deal. And you could literally move your house with you. Like, yeah, nothing has to change <laughs> except for the fact that you're at different, you know, coordinates. <laughs> I here's here's my here's my theory why they haven't moved the 60 liches cannot decide on a single place. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> they're, they're like they wake the, everyone up once every 100 years they're like okay we gotta move this time oh i want to go to thay no i want to go to Waterdeep, but i want to be like uh. also <laughs> okay like, fine go back to sleep <laughs> there's also probably like a decent chance that um their lichdom works differently and yeah true the 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 slumbers they go into in the crypt of the dreaming lizards is what is keeping them alive and yeah maybe yeah. they can't move that crypt that makes sense yeah because like other liches, other liches stay alive. Well, most liches. We learned of two this episode that consume other yeah. things. But most liches stay alive by consuming souls. Right. But these ones might survive through this crypt. Yeah. Right? So yeah. maybe that's a reason. I wonder if they just don't have a lot of magic left either. Like maybe that's why the tes- the Terrasier is like they're pretty much saving all their magic they have left yeah, maybe. to fight the Faerun one last time. So the Terrasir is like doing more prodding than actually taking like an active role in anything. Right. Yeah. It's cool. I like them. I like these Saruk, uh, ancient Saruk who are take, who are kind of taking control. That would be a really cool, um, patron of some sort. Like, uh, have the Terrasir as your patron Good. and they're, they're asking you to go out to find new magical, like magical uh, spells and stuff in the world. It would also just be like a completely wacko thing to stumble across. Literally, these beings have been here <laughs> since like the inception of creation. And, yeah. uh, you know, this terrace here, guys, you know, the Saruk don't exist anymore. They're they're nope. like the first people. So like it's it's it could be completely wacko to just, you know, stumble across these guys. I... And they're like, oh, you met an elf who told you once the world was soup. Well, I was here the second that soup got a little skin on the top of it that I could stand on. <laughs> and it's just like, whoa, you're old. Uh, yeah. Old doesn't quite do it justice. <laughs> um, actually, I found out recently that in, I think it was in 3E or 3.5E, the Saruk, their stat block, had a, had a thing where they can take one line of text from any other monster in any monster manual. That's hilarious. And... That was like a way that people made the most powerful. Right. I think the most powerful low level. It's pun pun is the name. Oh, I feel yeah, like a pun pun. Yeah. But yeah. So like Saruk, they could just take, like, oh, there's like a monster with infinite spells. Cool. 
that Cicero now has that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> Magical resistance. Yeah, they got that now. It's so weird. <laughs> cool. Uh, any other kind of characters or not? Uh, I mean, it's a long list of nice dungeons. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. This, this is about it. You can pick any of these liches to be an undead warlock. Um, I like the idea of being a sorcerer whose power is, you know, your bloodline is that you have the soul of one of these archwizards mm-hmm. trapped inside you. Um, I think having... You'd have to mess with her lore a little bit, but Tabra as a group patron would be quite cool. Yeah. Um, if you were running um, that Netheril campaign we were talking about before, how someone has raised up one of the enclaves and they're trying to do funky shit, mm. or um, the Shadowvar are your enemy, that would be cool too from the City of Shadow. Um, it says that she was captured by them, but like you could write, rewrite yeah. that. Or, or she got out. it turns out... Or it turns out she is still captured by them mm. and she's just talking to you through an astral projection mm. and you don't even know that. Yeah. That could be like a twist halfway through the campaign. Yeah, um, that's cool. And it's kind of like, whoa, wait, have you just been doing this to manipulate us into saving you? <laughs> and she's like, well, I mean, you're also doing the right thing. And it's like, but that sounds like it's for selfish reasons. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but I mean, is anything really not selfish? Um, I think that could be a cool group patron. Yeah, speaking of group patrons, Tara Seer, I think would be a really cool group agent or like how you did marcus you had like a weird traveling chaotic mage in our first campaign that would like sell his thing and he would disappear and he was yeah yeah terribly powerful but we never really knew we never understood his whole deal and if you wanted to do that like a weird person that interacts with a party ever so often and sells the magic items or gives them magic could be this terrasier and you're learning later on that like yeah he's just doing an experiment seeing what happens when he gives you guys things <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, he would be he would be pretty perfect for that kind of yeah. role of just like a merchant that always seems to show up when you need him and mm-hmm. is defying the laws of the world and physics to show up. Yeah, exactly. It's like, wait, how did you get here? Like, why? Like, we're in a yeah abandoned place, or like it's hard to get to play. They're like, oh, don't worry about it. Want some magic? <laughs> also, yeah, I will say for this episode that my favorite thing is yeah a surviving the survivors of Netheril campaign. I think would be a really cool campaign if you're looking for something a bit different in your next D and D campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it for our journey today. You never know who could be Arthendal, the Terrasier. Next episode, we'll cover the Southern. Uh, so, so the Arnok. I'll just kind of lay that now. The Arnok Desert has the like North High Ice, and then the Frozen Sea, and then the Plain of Standing Stones, and then the Sword at the very bottom. So we're covering the southern part of the Sword. So the southern part of the southern part of the Arnok Desert. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Lily, for joining me. Yeah. Thank you also for the amazing cover art. Yeah. And Blood Dust for the theme music around the fire. You can find them on Bandcamp. Link in the description of the episode. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts. You can also now give us a star rating on Spotify. That's a new feature, so please give us those five stars if you can. Or wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great long rest. Bye.